it is possible. But with your five hours, this is no nonsense, no surfing, no half business, no, I'm gonna take a walk and I'm gonna be responding to emails. This is like, I'm working and this is my work time. You have to protect that time. You cannot resent that time. Welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. My name is Jasmine Starr, a photographer and business strategist from Newport Beach, California, and I am so happy you tuned in to the podcast today. Okay, so now let's walk down memory lane. Just kidding. <laughs> this show is a little over three months old, so not much of a memory lane, but I just love serving you with juicy business content every single week, and it feels like we've been walking this journey a while, so thank you for being here. In this episode, you get a front row seat to coaching sessions that we have on the inside of the Social Curator Membership community. In today's coaching session, we discuss everything from how big your audience has to be before you start selling your products or services, to also what are you going to do if you're multi-passionate and you want to start a few businesses. I can't wait for you to hear these business owner questions to show you the quality and the caliber of members on the inside. So let's jump right in because the water is fine. All right. Hi, my name is Kendra Swalls. I am a photographer and online educator. I host a podcast currently for women in business. And basically I work with women to help them find their power, their passion and their purpose in their personal life and in their business. Oh, nice alliteration. All those P's girl, you're winning. <laughs> yes. Okay. What, what can I, what, what can we chat about today? So my question is I, as I mentioned, run two businesses. So I have my photography business and then I'm also doing the, the online education with the podcast and helping mentor other female business owners. My photography business, I love both businesses. I really do. I'm very passionate about both of them. Both of them serve women primarily. And my photography business is about nine years in. So it's very established. So you're having an affair with your coaching and you feel bad for cheating on photography. I, get I do. Yes. I get that. I was like, we'll cut straight to the chase. <laughs> this is like a therapy session up in here. I love and, it. Yes. And you want to know what, Kendra? There should be no guilt. There should be no shame. There should be nothing but excitement. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert in the book, Big Magic says that it is okay to have an affair with creativity. Like it keeps things exciting. It keeps things. And let me just back this up real quick. I am a proponent of monogamy. I have been happily married. I've been with the same man just almost, almost half my life. So I am talking about having a creative, figurative affair with something because we should express gratitude for the career that got you here, right? So we know that photography is going to be a revenue generator. We also know you have been successfully put yourself in a position that you've systematized. And now you have the choice, Kendra. You could say, I could take a step back. I know the photography business is going and I could start getting massages every day. I can go on long walks. I can do three hours of self-care. But instead, you're saying, I want to try something else in addition. So no, your photography business will not suffer. I don't think so. And how I actually think it will have the opposite. Your photography business can flourish as a result of you finding creative creativity and fulfillment in a different avenue. So there's that. Was there something around like the business marketing structure or was it like, help me not feel guilty? No, I, yeah, a little bit of both. So the guilt part definitely is there because I feel like I'm splitting my time, but that also falls into the, the logistical side of it where 
I'm also a mom, so I have two young children, and I already was struggling with time management when it comes to running a photography business. And then you add in, now I am doing this other business that I love, and I'm struggling to balance it all and have time to really feel like I'm giving everything I can to both businesses equally. Oh, girl. Well, okay. So I love this question because you know I ain't got nothing to do with business. This question, zero with business. And this has everything to do with permission and understanding. Because what you're saying is you came into this saying, Jasmine, I have two beautiful things that I really love. And then we got over, okay, it's okay not to give them both equal um, attention. And then what you came in and said is, I'm also a mom. And then you followed that up with some icing and a cherry and said, I'm having a hard time giving it, giving all option, getting all three options, all of it. And I'm like, well, that's, that's impossible math. Like you can't give a hundred percent to three things when you right. only have a hundred percent to give. And so now it just comes back instead of beating yourself up for not giving three main passions, a hundred percent of your time, which is impossible. Now you have to make the very luxurious decision. I was going to say hard. It's not hard. I mean, this is a luxury girl. This is a luxury to make a decision of where your time is going to go. So if Kendra, you're saying, let's just say hypothetically, you want to work eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And in those eight hours a day, you have to run your two businesses. And are your children in school during those eight hours or, or one or two of them at home with you? One's at home, one's in school. So we know that eight hours is a little bit of a stretch, right? A eight bit, uninterrupted yeah. hours of work time. So if we're being real, because we are, like, I just want to be 100 because there are people like you listening and being like, help me. And so Kendra, you are a representation of many, many women who have children staying at home who have multi-passions. So how many hours do you think you can work a day? Realistically, about four, four to six probably, because I do work you know, in the evenings too, some and early in the morning. Good. So yeah. So let's put the difference. Let's put the difference. Let's work with five. Okay. Let's say you can work five hours a day. And how many of those hours, because we know, no, at least I'm, I'm guessing that photography is your golden egg, right? This is the thing that probably brings in the largest revenue stream. So yes. we got, we got it. We got to treat the spouse, right? So how much time do you need to adequately, adequately keep your golden egg business running per day? Um, I mean, it's at a point where it runs itself for the most part. So probably two hours, maybe a day for emails and follow-ups and all that kind of stuff. Great. And so then am I to, am I hearing that you have three hours to invest in what it would take to actually elevate your coaching into being a strong revenue stream? Yes. Okay. So now we're working with real numbers here. And so when you're saying I'm trying to give it my all to all, we know that's not the case because hour-wise, you're probably giving a lot of time to your child at home and then both of them when they come home. And that's great. If I'm, I'm looking at you, we're chatting and I could feel that's where you want to be. And that's a great decision. So now we're working with five workable hours. And this is where the test of will and determination and organization come into play. Because when you have five hours, I'm going to look across at you and say, girl, you want to get two businesses off the ground for five hours a day. You're asking a heck of a lot of yourself. It is possible. It is possible. But with your five hours, this is no nonsense, no surfing, 
no half business, no, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to be responding to emails. This is like, I'm working and this is my work time. You have to protect that time. You cannot resent that time. And so if I were you, what you have to do five days a week is set aside your two hours every day. And then let's be real. Like I'm a photographer. I know clients. I know seasons. I know deliverabilities and I know snafus. So there's going to be some days where you actually have to dedicate four hours to it. Right. And on that day, your love affair, passion, coaching project will get one. And you don't say, dang it, Kendra, you're just, you're dropping all the balls. You're doing, no, you actively and cognizantly made the decision to say, I'm spending more of my largest jet revenue generator. And I'm going to give myself grace for the other project. So when you take a step back, what, okay. So what I want to do is Kendra of 2025 Okay. You have your photography business. You probably have like an assistant or associate like running things for you, front admin, and you have your coaching business and you are feeling fulfilled and they're both bringing in equal amounts of revenue. So you have like a 50-50 revenue split stream. Both of your kids are in school by then. You have a little bit more time management. What does Kendra of 2025 say to Kendra of today? Like what does she tell you? take things as they come because I tend to jump ahead. I tend to look at 2025 and go, I want that right now. Mm -hmm. And I realize that's not necessarily feasible. The time that I will have when my youngest daughter's in school, mm -hmm. I don't have right now. And I don't want to wish that time away too quickly because in a year and a half, she'll be in school and I'll be missing that time with her. So right now I just need to give it what I can give it. And then not stressed about the time I can't give it right now because it's going to something way more valuable. That is what I want you to say to yourself every morning. Like, that's it. You answered your question. Now you have a clear path to productivity, determination, chutzpah, and grace upon grace upon grace for you to hang out with your daughter, to build two businesses and be really successful along the way. Congratulations. You answered your own question. <laughs> Well, thank Kendra. you. I need the permission though. Oh, I love this. Kendra, how can people find you on Instagram? So my photography business is at Paisley Lane Photography and my coaching business is at Girl Means Business with the podcast being the same name. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who's next? Thank you, Kendra. You started off with fire, girl. Bye. Yeah. I'm Kathleen next. Beers. Yay. Okay. <laughs> I am Kathleen Burst. I am a psychotherapist in private practice, and I also teach busy women how to stay mentally healthy online in my uh, self-care membership once a month. I love that. I love that. Okay, so what is your question, Doll? So my question is, how big does your audience have to be before you start selling a product or service, or does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. Like we, we have seen way too many success stories of people, you know, selling with like, oh, I have 15 people on my list and they have a great phenomenal launch. So numbers don't matter, but numbers help. So I always am a straight shooter. I always want to say anything is possible because it's the internet, but statistically they call it the 2% rule. So 2% of your audience will invest in something you put forward. And of course, there's limitations like outliers. Like if, you, if I put out an offer for $100,000, there's a good chance that people, you know, 2% of my audience is not going to buy into it. Um, and then if you put out something that's really low, like say 99 cents, there is a chance that more than 2% will buy it. 
However, statistically, it's hovering at that two to two and a half percent rate, which is why you've always seen me as an advocate on the inside of social curator, not to depend on one platform, right? Like I think people um, knowingly, unknowingly say, oh, well, Jasmine's all about Instagram. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm all about diversifying my Easter egg basket, right? And so when we look at your business, we look at your social platforms. I know you're active on um, Instagram. I know you're active on Facebook and I know that you are growing your newsletter, like your, your list, correct? Yes. So if you were to add all of those together, and then what I like to do is I like to back out somewhere around 15% because I do know people who follow me on Facebook probably also follow me on Instagram. Now, all of them. And then I do know that some people on my newsletter list probably follow me on social, right? So I take an aggregate and then I take out around 15% just to, I just, no, I just pulled that number out of thin air. I just don't want to say that all of my platforms equal this when I know they don't. So 15% sound a little reasonable. And then I take 2% of that. So that is why I'm a big proponent of creating content, both free social media, and then creating um, opt-ins, free gifts, guides, videos, eBooks, which I know you're doing to your mm-hmm. audience to grow that list. And I always, I always definitely want to come in and really be straightforward and forthcoming about what it really looks like. Because when we go into a promotional period, we like to create um, clear identifications of the source of the lead. So when we have people sign up for a free class, we create links, one for people from my newsletter list, one for people from Instagram, one for people from Facebook. And we could do this for however many sources you have, but I felt like it's really important because the first time you launch something, a new product, a new offering, a new service, or even if you're promoting a current offering, it's really important to know where are your leads coming from? Because you could say, oh, I have, you know, 2000 followers on Instagram and I only have 500 followers on Facebook. But if your followers on Facebook are actually converting, it's a very clear sign. Whoa, I need to spend more time because more of my audience is here. So that's a very long answer to a very straightforward question. What is the percentage? The nutshell version, Cliff's Notes version, two to two and a half percent. That's why we advise growing all platforms. But when you do go into a promotional period, not to be emotional about the source, but to actually start measuring it if you have the capabilities. Perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, Kathleen, I how can people how can people find you? And uh, hold on a second. I have to back, I have to take a step back. Did I answer? Did are, is there something lingering? No, I mean the only thing left was just because my, my membership is growing, but very slowly. So I, you did answer it just like, what is, you know, what should I expect with the audience size that I have? So that really did answer the question. Okay, good, good. I just want to make sure that I don't leave you hanging girl. How can people find more of your awesomeness? Um, you can find me on Instagram at self underscore care underscore bestie. Thank you. Self care bestie. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. Okay. So I'll introduce myself. Let's pull up a chair. (laughs) Okay. I am Jill Christensen and I am a coach and mentor for women entrepreneurs who want to launch and grow a successful side business. I love that. Well, thank you for being here. How can I serve you today, Jill? Yeah. So one of the projects that I'm working on right now for my community is uh, we've been talking a lot about the importance of having an influencer brand in order to grow a successful side business. And I've been teaching a lot of the concepts and principles, but what I found 
is that it doesn't necessarily translate the, the, the principles that I'm teaching and how I'm practicing them in my business influencer brand isn't exactly translating for them when it comes to building a product-based brand. And so I put it out to my audience and asked them if they would like to watch me build a brand from the ground up. And the response was really just phenomenal and my audience loved the concept. And so I am committing to building an influencer brand from the ground up on Instagram and I'm documenting that for my audience. And so my question for you is what is the best way to leverage the, the project and to leverage the documentation that I'm going to be doing via video? I love this. Okay. So explain this to me like I'm five. When you say, are you building a brand from the ground up and it's your own? It will be my own. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, here's one thing, Jill. Do you think that people are going to say, well, yeah, that works for Jill because she's Jill, right? Like if you did it, like I'm a firm believer, like if you did something once before, you can do it again, but faster mm -hmm. and easier because you've learned from the first time around. How then are you going to say that you building a ground up is like an agnostic te test, right? Like how do we say it's not the Jill factor, but it's the build a brand factor? Exactly. And so is that a question for me? You want me to answer that? Well, just so I can give clarity. And I mean, unless, yes, yes. yes. Okay. So currently I, my brand is all around business and helping women build a side business. But I also want to build a brand in the beauty and the fashion space so that I can promote products. I, so the vehicle that we use to monetize women in their side business is network marketing or the leverage sales model. And so what I'm going to be doing is building a brand up in the beauty and the fashion space as it relates to self-care. And so it's an area that I don't have a following in yet. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. There, there's clarity around that. My question then becomes though, but is this the Jill factor? Like, you know, like if I said, Hey guys, I'm going to start like a new Instagram account and it's going to be about food blogging. Like mm -hmm. I, one, I suck at food cooking, food cooking. I don't even think it's the right thing. I, I, I'm terrible at cooking, but I think I could probably kill it because I get it. Like yeah. I get the game, like I get how it works. So are you preparing yourself to buttress this new venture by saying it isn't the X factor, X being Jill, right? This right. isn't the X factor. This is what it takes, period. Like, are you going to bring other people along? Like, because here's the yes. thing. I am trying to prepare Jill for the best possible scenario. And the best possible scenario is, yes, Jill does it, but can Jill take along two or three other businesses and apply the same principles and get me met, met with the same results? Ooh, so e e even doing it like alongside a couple yeah. other businesses is part of, yeah. part of the documentation. Yeah. I love that idea. Okay, because then this goes back to my answer in how we're going to leverage this. You're going to leverage other audiences. You're going to have people apply to be the three people who you're building the brand with. I love it. Okay. Oh, I love it. I just, this is like a reality television show I want to yeah. watch. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jill, so I'm just, well, number one, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to push and prod and poke holes because then it changes the scope of my answer. Because if it was like, no, I'm just doing this on my own. Okay. Then the answer has to look a little different. Mm -hmm. But if you are open, number one, that is so much digital swag. I can't even deal with it because you're saying, Hey guys, I'm going to do this and watch me not just do it with me. Watch me do it with Sarah, Joni, and Michelle. 
and watch what happens when we all apply this. And here's the thing. Don't know, right? We don't know, Jill. We don't know if you do this. And like in the first month, you have 8,000 followers. In the first month, they have eight followers. Like we don't know. But then your only objective then would be to assess what is going on and how do you fix it. And let me tell you from a thousand times over, people learn more from what's not working than what's working. So don't be afraid of that. Like just think of how do I make a win now? You're going to make a win now. You're going to have like... um, uh, an opt-in page, like an application. And you could do this on Google Forms and you're going to be sending people there and they have to fill out an application. What is their current size? What do they want to do? What are their objectives? And I want you to make this like they are applying for like scholarship, like a, the road scholarship, right? Like they mm-hmm. need to fiery hoops because if they can't, number one, follow directions, and if they can't, number two, put forth a proper application, they're already showing they're not of the ilk that you want who can actually do the work for the transformation. And so you then start creating promotional swipe ups for ads on Instagram um, because I'm pretty sure you want to build that influencer uh, brand on Instagram, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you would just start doing swipe up ads. Now you don't need, um, you, if you, do you have a business account? I have a Facebook business account and personal Instagram. Okay, no problem. You can create an ad inside of Facebook and Facebook ads manager and run that into Instagram. I have a personal account and Uh you can have a swipe up as long as it's an ad on an Instagram account because you're paying for people to see it. It's not like an organic swipe. So you'll be doing that and you're going to be speaking to your audience and you're going to be making a video and it doesn't have to be fancy. You can be like, hey guys, um, I'm building a brand from the ground up and I want to show how you could do it too. And you are going to position yourself as the guide. Everyone's gonna be like, Oh my God, I want Jill to make over my business. Mm-hmm. And then all these people. And then I would put one of the requirements that they post on Instagram, their video application. Oh, cool. So now what you have is you have anywhere from 10 to a hundred to a thousand to 10,000 women who want to be, have their brand revamped by you. And all of those people are putting out a video on Instagram saying, Hey, and on the application, they have to drop the URL to the video on Instagram. Cause you know how people put it on stories and they just want to mm-hmm. hide it. Like, mm, like they only share the story to close friends. Mm, no, 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 no. We need to keep this on Instagram. We need to make it public. And then you need to keep it public until a certain date. Because you need time to go through and review all of those things. So application process, fiery hoops, um, make the application robust, make them make a public declaration. And that when you're saying like, how do I get eyes on it? Oh, you get eyes on it by having other people promote it. Okay. Super cool. I love it. This is totally blown my mind. I'm so excited for you, Jill. I can't even deal with this. Okay. How can people find you on Instagram? So on Instagram, you can find me at hot mess with finesse. Hey, I love that. I love that. I look forward to seeing your journey. Make sure and share the outcomes, right? Like what I would like to do is maybe you can um, shoot me a DM once you've closed your application process, because I'd like to synthesize and then present it on the inside of social curator, like the learnings, what happened. And if people would like to maybe put their own spin on it in their own way, I think it would be super valuable. Okay. Thank you, doll. I appreciate it. Well, my name is Sarah Brennison. I am a Tupperware business leader, and that means I get to work with um, everybody in my company to help bring their dreams to reality through the in-home demonstration in our products and social media. And the question I have is, what are some of the best practices that I can use to share with them? How can they bring their demonstrations and their products to life on social media and make it authentic and real to them? You know, you can, people will ask 
a similar question. And if you ask 10 different people, they will get 10 different answers. But what I would say so strongly, and we see this on the inside of Social Curator, is that stories are the mechanism of marketing in the 21st century. And the good news is that stories have been the mechanism of marketing since cavemen were drawing pictures on walls in caves. Like we understand and we learn by story. So how then do we articulate the customer journey of story selling Tupperware in a digital format? And Sarah, I have no doubt, girl, I am looking at you and you, I have a feeling you could probably, if I gave you like duct tape and some uh, pipes, like you could probably build a plane. Like I look at you and all I see is like utter professional, like you, you're, you're a doer. And I think that it's powerful. But I also think that somebody who's watching sees Sarah and is just like, I could never be that or do that. She's special. But what if Sarah became the curator of very powerful stories of other people with seemingly similar backgrounds telling their story in a compelling way? So all you need to do now is be the aggregator of Tupperware stories from distributors. Is that, can I use that? Can I use that distributor? What's, what's the right terminology? Um, distributors of old are now business leaders. Perfect. Thank you. So business leaders. So if I was a business leader and you were watching the stuff that I was doing and you just liked that I was doing meal prep, I did a four part Instagram story series on meal prep and you were following me and you're like, I wish more people did this. What I want you to do is I want you to DM me and say, Hey, Jasmine, can you export your Instagram stories? We would like to share it on my Instagram and I'm going to run it by corporate to see if we can possibly feature you and tag you on Instagram on Tupperware's Instagram account. So all you have to do now, now you go from teacher, now you go to um, museum curator and docent. You need to start getting those art pieces. You need to start collecting those stories and then you need to become the vehicle and you need to create the, in, the Tupperware Instagram account, the Tupperware like newsletter, the Tupperware Facebook groups. Like you need to become the curator of all these powerful stories and say, do you see, do you see Sarah in Minnesota? and how she made popsicles at this time. Did you see Monica in New Mexico, how she packed up her husband's burritos in this? Like, but she told the story. It's not Tupperware is great. It's what made the Tupperware great? How did she use it? And your, your main focus probably for 12 months is to make yourself an indisputable authority on aggregating Tupperware stories and posts. That has to be your focus because when you become that, then people are going to start coming to you and sending you their stories. So there have been times where people are talking about social curator on their Instagram stories and they'll tag me. I will DM them and like, can you export this video and send it back to me? I want to save it. Can I share it? And people are like, yeah, of course. So I'm just collecting these. So when in, in January, 2020, we go into a promotional period, I want to start sharing their stories in a very concerted, logical, compelling kind of way. Okay. Is, do you have any lingering questions? Um, is the same stories on Instagram, is that still, I know Facebook now does stories too. Could they use the same? Because I want to be able to teach this to the people within my company as well. So it's not just me, it's them sharing their stories as well and be able to help them not be salesy and just share yes. what they love about the products and things Absolutely. like that to help their families and whatnot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as like a caveat, which will then position yourself as an authority is what I see a lot of people. I mean, I see like 9.7 people out of 10 push their Instagram stories immediately over to Facebook. 
right? So you're creating stories and you have the, uh, and you have the ability to push them to Facebook. But what happens is like the voting mechanisms and the stickers and the engagement tools that work on Instagram don't carry over to Facebook. So people are trying to vote. People are trying to use the slider. People are trying to respond and it's broken. So what does that convey to a Facebook audience is, oh, you're the leftovers not in Tupperware. You're the leftovers wrapped in saran wrap. You're not loved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what you have to do is you have to explain the power in, 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 in downloading the photo, uploading directly to Facebook, and then adding your own native Facebook engagement tools. And you can put it right on top of the story. You don't need to repeat it again, but just make sure that your audience on Facebook really feels like they're being spoken to. But the, at the end of the day, Sarah, if you were on LinkedIn and you saw a really compelling, like how to pack your lunch with Tupperware so that it doesn't spoil in the office, right? Because we're wanting to make content native to the platform that we're using. I want you to get that content and I want you to take it to corporate or send it to your people and say, look it, here is Joni in Florida and she made this specific to LinkedIn. How, I, what market are you missing for the whole corporate? corporate sector who aren't using and buying and leveraging Tupperware. I mean, you just, you got to be, you got to be the museum curator, the docent, and you know, the proponent, the patron all in one for the next 12 months. Thank you. Oh, thank you. How can, how can we find you and your Tupperware awesomeness on Instagram? Um, I can be found at infinite shine ENT. I love that. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you. Thank you. I'll go next. Great. Kara. Hi, my name is Kara Cahill. I am an Instagram strategist and the creator of the Graham Guide, which is my online course for teaching virtual business owners how to market themselves on Instagram. Awesome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. So my question for you, Jasmine, is I just launched my course um, this past week. So we're in the middle of launching. Oh my God. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's incredible. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so we're launching this week and I'm just kind of planning for 2020 planning ahead. So I would eventually like to relaunch again and like end of January. And my question is like, how do you, um, relaunch, I guess the same product, but not burn out your audience in the, in the process. So um, like if you're launching the same thing, how are you making sure that you're making it like still relevant to the same audience? Well, this is, you know, I, I, I was asked a, a similar question a few weeks ago at a conference and somebody had said, you know, Jasmine, like I had a very small Instagram following. I had a very small list and I ended up doing $28,000 on this launch and everybody clapped it up. We were so thankful. Like, this is like incredible, amazing. And she's like, and then I launched it three months later and I didn't break 10,000. She's like, I think it's because I was, you know, inauthentic on Instagram. And I took a step back and was like, that has nothing to do with it. The issue became you launched to the same audience, the same offering, and just a small percentage of people who said no the first time will probably say yes the second time. And it'll be half of that, a quarter of that, the third time you launch. So what we have decided to do on the inside of Social Curator is launch just twice a year. And I'm not saying that's what you should do for a course, but what we have discovered through trial and error is that you have to let your, you have to let your audience breathe because if you're only known for selling and like, let's just be real, like, let's do some simple math. It's like, you want to launch in less than eight weeks again. So you go in through like a promotional period, then you're going through the holidays, then you do the new year and then you want to launch again. And it's like, statistically, you're going to be putting your back up against a wall. I'm just, just my, that's like my gut, unless 
unless you decided to go so hard in creating so much free content to build your list and you were running ads to build your list and you were running ads to have people um, engage more with your videos and your content because in order for you to have equal success from launch one to launch two, you probably have to double the size of your current following. And so when we just do math, and this is only us doing math ever, I, I refuse. Like there was a while when I would take like a, a flopped launch or something that we just didn't do so well, I would take it personally. Like it was me. Like they said no to me. And it was, it was like this whole awakening in 2018 that I realized they're not saying no to me. They're saying no to that offer. So I then have one of two options. I get to create a new offer that they may say yes to, or two, I expand my list in such a way that when I present it to a brand new audience, they have the propensity to say yes. Gotcha. Okay. So just focusing on like list building and do you think that's like a long enough time or do you think I should maybe push it out and really just focus on list building in that time? I would say the max to launch a course would be once a quarter. Okay. Like yeah, unless you have some other avenue of really doubling, tripling your list and following, I would say like once every three months is going to be like that sweet spot because you have to do the warm up and then you have the closing of the card and then you have, it's like, it's a lot of promotional time and people, and here's the thing, the minute people feel sold to three consecutive times without any buffer time, they will tune you out or unfollow. So there's got, it's always like, to me, it's always been like 75 to 80% give, 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 give. And when it comes time to ask, it's at 20 to 25% of the time. Awesome. That's amazing. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Kara, thank you so much. How can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, they can find me at, um, just at Kara underscore Cahill. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all, I love these coaching sessions with social curator members. They come to the table with such amazing questions, brilliant minds, and beautiful hearts. To learn more about Kara, Jill, Sarah, Kathleen, and Kendra, you can check out the show notes linked in the episode description wherever you are tuning in from today. So that's all for now. If you have enjoyed this podcast and you haven't yet, can you please be sure to subscribe or leave a review? Or heck, if you want to do both, the Jasmine Star Show will thank you. I just referred to this podcast in third person. I mean, you guys, I'm sitting here trying to be cool and I'm missing the mark. Okay. You'll forgive me my apologies in advance, but Hey, if you're just as dorky as I am, you'll appreciate that. I hope you have a great week and I will see you on our next episode soon. Bye.